This episode has a trigger warning because it discusses the topics of childhood sexual assault and childhood abuse. It also covers subjects that may be inappropriate for children and sensitive listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I'm a Muslim and that's okay presents Gift of the Gab because everybody's got something to say. Hi everyone, may peace be on you all and welcome to another episode of I'm Muslim and That's Okay. And I am here with this season's very first Gift of the Gab and I have with me a very, very incredible guest. I love her to bits. Her name is Sharia Schultz and you are the founder and CEO of the nonprofit organization Buddy Speaks. Um, you are, uh, what can I say? You are an absolute okay. champion in helping educate people and create awareness about child sexual abuse, sexual assault. And I mean, what you do is so incredible. You have authored a number of books regarding the topic. I mean, when I heard about you and I saw your book, I thought, I have to buy this. I bought this. I got two days on Prime. I need to get this for my children because that's the thing. I mean, as parents, like I've started my kids young, you know, teaching them correct body parts and, you know, trying to tell them that you can't have other people touching you. But what this book revealed to me about, you know, you know this information, but you're like, how do you explain it to children? And you do it so well, Sharia. And before I go on and on about you, okay. please, you know, give everybody a proper introduction of yourself and what you do. Assalamu alaikum and good afternoon, good morning, good day, wherever you are. Welcome, 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 and thank you, thank you for joining us. Um, as you said, my name is Sharia Shields. I'm the CEO and founder of the Buddy Speaks Foundation. Buddy Speaks is a nonprofit organization where we provide education and awareness to help prevent and challenge sexual assault. Um, statistics say one in four girls and one in six boys experience some form of sexual assault before they're the age of 18. And that's according to the ACE study. But let me tell you something. Thing. The statistics isn't completely accurate. Why? Because there's so many survivors that are living in silence, living with shame, and they have not disclosed. So this ACE study was based on those who did disclose. So we're mm -hmm. talking about out of, you think about 10 children in your home or in your family, two of those 10 children experience some form of sexual assault. And since we know that is to be true and we want to prevent it, we don't always prevent it um, because, you know, it's a pandemic. It's something that happens all the time. So we also support survivors. We support survivors and we support the mothers of survivors because mothers live with tons of shame and blame and you know we're mama bears so we want to protect our children and then we feel like we failed to protect our children so we provide them with a little support a lot of support and letting them know that you're not alone it wasn't your fault if you're a non-offending parent if you're a non-offending mother if you're a mother who did not support it if you're a mother who did not hide the abuse if you're a mother that did not you know um allow the person to stay around your child, you know, knowingly, we support you. 
And, you know, I am an author, as you said, I wrote the book, My Voice is My Superpower, which was used as a way to help parents to start the conversation, which is so difficult because a lot of times we don't like to talk about it. It's scary, it's dark, but we don't know how to talk about it because our parents didn't talk about it. But right. what it does also, in addition to educating parents, because there's a parent discussion guide in the back, it, we also um, empower children to let them know their voice is their power to let them know that they are in control of their body. It teaches the body safety rules in the books and it lets them know that someone is listening, lets them know that, you know, you are in charge and you can use your voice to speak out. You don't have to stay quiet, but if someone does tell you to keep quiet and you don't tell, it will never, ever be your fault. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, Sherry. I will definitely, you know, get into every single thing that you do through the organization because it's so integral but i do the gift to the gab because there are so many difficult conversations that need to be had and this one is literally has to be on top because it involves the most vulnerable of our 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 being our species our children yes. they are yes. integral to our future and at this point, 2022, you want to call it the future, whatever, but we are still unable to protect our children from sexual assault and sexual abuse. If I had to start somewhere, I want to ask you, why is this so prevalent? And there's no one right answer. I know that. But like in your experience. Um, the reason why it's so prevalent is because we have lots of boundaries that protect, that stops us from protecting our children. Um, knowledge. We don't know what sexual abuse is. We don't know what grooming is. We don't know what red flag behaviors are. So we have lack of knowledge. We don't know when our child is in trouble. So okay. it's lack of knowledge. Also, we're in denial. It's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to my children. I only have my children around family. I keep good. I, you know, I keep a close eye on my children. I'm not going to have those problems. And then it's um, also. But the statistics are opposite, right, Sharia? The fact is, it's not a, usually not a stranger that no. that is the source of sexual assault and sexual abuse on a child. Absolutely. 90% of people survivors such as myself who experienced child sex, sexual abuse, child sexual assault is by someone that they know and they trust and they love because there is a grooming process and that person can't get close to your child unless they know you, unless they know your child, and unless they get you to trust them so that they can be alone with your child. And also, in addition to denial, in addition to lack of education, you know, we, we, don't, we don't care to hear about it and we don't think that it's useful. So all of those things come into play. We don't think, oh, this won't happen to my child or, oh, I'll talk about this later. But most importantly, because parents aren't educated. 
-hmm. parents aren't educated. So since we're not educated, we don't know what we need to know to protect our children. It's not enough to tell a child to tell. It's not enough to tell a child, don't let anyone sit on your lap. It's not enough to say, well, I don't let anyone around my children but family or let them Mm -hmm. go to the masjid. We have to know 50% of it is teaching your children the body safety rules and to Mm -hmm. tell the other 50% is having the knowledge that it takes to protect your children and to know what child sex abuse grooming looks like. Right, right. And again, it's all so wonderfully covered in this and um, the body safety rules are in the book. Um, You know, what grooming looks like is in the book. And here's the thing, there is, uh, especially in religious circles um, or like conservative families, it doesn't have to be Muslim family, it could be any conservative circles. There's a certain taboo when it comes to talking about sex in general. Um, and that, I think, also makes it difficult for us to really approach this with our children. Yes. Yeah, because we don't want to talk about sex. But let me mm-hmm. explain something to you. When you teach the child about the body, you mm-hmm. teach the child the parts of the body, the names of the private parts. You talk Correct about Correct anatomical sex. names, yes. please, for the love of God. Exactly. You talk about sex. If the child is being abused, the child will talk about it. The child will, I, I'll mm-hmm. tell you a real life story. There was a child that I know that's very close to me and he was being assaulted. He was being assaulted. He was assaulted six years prior to this conversation that he had. And for six years, for three years, he was assaulted, but he kept quiet for six years and he was read a book and the book was called My Amazing Body. And with the book called My Amazing Body, it talks about the body and it shows the woman's body. It shows the man's body. Mm-hmm. And one particular picture, it showed the the, the chest mm-hmm. and the child kept saying, go back to that page, go back to that page, go back to that page. Mm-hmm. And they were able because they didn't have the vocabulary why because the parent didn't talk about it didn't talk about the body oh he's Mm. too young he's only eight he's only seven so he didn't have the language to say she made me suck her breast but by seeing the pictures in the book he was able to say and he was able to touch himself and say right here she did this to me she made me touch this and he wanted to go back and he went back three times three different days because he was trying to get the conversation out so that you can know without a shadow of a doubt this happened to me what does this do when the child talks about it it frees them it mm-hmm. frees them from the shame it frees them right. from the blame it's painful right. you know children experience ptsd as a result of it, it hurts to talk about it, but it helps because I don't have the secret anymore. And if the parent is properly educated on how to respond to your child when they disclose, how to respond to your child when when they talk about what happened to them, how to respond, you know, with your facial gestures and right. with the words, then your child will continue to talk and you can start the journey of healing. And it's a lifelong journey of healing. I am 51 years old. I had a trigger two months ago and it was rough and it lasted for a week as I was sharing my story, as I was sharing about my own journey and I was triggering, but I learned how to work through it and it didn't last for long, but it follows you. It follows you through adulthood and it takes work, but it takes for parents and, you know, 
to be supportive and to be compassionate, to be understanding, but to be educated, right? There's two things to this, uh, Sharia. First of all, if a parent does discover that their child has been sexually abused, and there again, it's not just one form of abuse, it can be various different kinds of them. If you could speak to that, and second of all, how should a parent react? Because our first instinct is go cuckoo bananas over this, but that's generally not a good idea. That's the worst thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Because when a person is grooming your child, when a person is sexually assaulting your child, when a child is um, being groomed and being abused, sexual um, predators, they make your child think that they are a willing participant. Because the grooming process is a long process. Mm. It may take from a week to a month to a year. So they get them to gain the trust, make them think they're a willing participant, and then they manipulate them and they control them by telling them that it was their fault, that you made me, you touched me, you made me touch you, you wanted to do this, or we're going to get in trouble because we touched each other. You got me pregnant. The little boy that was nine years old thought that he got uh, the nanny pregnant. because of the things she said to him. And so with that being the case, that's um, when a a child discloses to their parents and if the parent reacts in a natural way, then the child, or because they're also threatened, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill your mother, I'm going to kill your your friends, you're you're going to go to jail. So many things that they tell Mm -hmm. the children to keep them quiet. So if the child, if you respond, and you show your anger and you say, I'm going to kill that person. Then the child walks around with so much fear right, and so much shame. If you think about the story of Maya Angela and how she started writing poetry and how um, she started reading, she was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And when she was sexually assaulted and she disclosed it, the person, the family went and they killed the person. They beat him up real fast and he died. So Maya blamed herself for speaking. It was my fault. And she did not speak for many, many years. She read, Mm. but she wouldn't speak because of this. So it's important for us to respond this way. I'm so sorry this happened to you. It wasn't supposed to happen to you. Mm. It wasn't your fault. You were wrong for that. Thank you for telling me you're so strong and you are so brave. Mm. I believe you. Say that first. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Right. Because sexual predators tell them they're never going to believe them. They need and to here's hear the problem, I, Sherry. I hate to cut you off. There'd be a lot okay. of parents who'd say, I don't believe you. Because it could be they some very important that. person in their... It could be a like an uncle or a cousin or, or somebody that is supposedly on the outside is dear to the family and the parents would automatically the instinct is i don't believe this child he's a child he's making some stuff up yes that happens it happens with children it actually happens Mm -hmm. with adults who break their silence Mm -hmm. and you know that's just terrible and imagine the child finally getting the courage to disclose Mm -hmm. and it usually takes a long time for them to disclose and then you say you don't believe them statistics say 98% of children who disclose their assault have been abused. Only 2% are known to tell a lie. 
So that means out of a hundred children, only two of them may have lied. Sometimes the stories become conflicting because children get afraid, you know, you know, they forget parts of the story. PTSD is real, but how could a child, how could a child eight years old tell you what oral sex is? Mm -hmm. How could a child at that age tell you, have great graphic details about sex and about rape and what would they have? To benefit, to benefit a child, a mm-hmm. teenager, an adult. This is not a badge of honor to no. say I was sexually assaulted by my cousin when I was less than 10 years of age. Mm-hmm. No, I'm a warrior. I'm a survivor. I'm a thriver. I'm an advocate. I'm an author. But I am a survivor who lived in silence and was mm-hmm. shame. Why would I need to lie on someone? Right. Maybe I might lie and say I didn't eat the cookies. Maybe <laughs> I might. <laughs> I didn't eat the candy, but right. that's not insane. for this. This is no. not for this. No. The other thing, um, if you could touch upon this, because people hear the term grooming, but it's a very vague concept in a lot of people's minds. If you could just, I guess, ex- explain what is grooming and how in particular does it work not just for small kids, but also teenagers? So child sex abuse grooming is a strategic, specific mm-hmm. method that predators, pedophiles, sexual mm-hmm. offenders, and, and let me explain something to you. A pedophile is not a sexual abuser. I mean, a sexual abuser is not a pedophile, but a pedophile is a sexual abuser. Sexual abuser. Because a pedophile does not like a child who is who starts to show any forms of puberty. They Mm. only like little babies. And it is a, you know, it's 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 just all of it is horrific, but pedophile has to be spoken. Sure. It it has to be spoken. spoken. So, you know, when you say, Oh, he's a pedophile, he raped my teenager. Mm, Mm. No, he's a sexual offender. He's a predator, but he's not a pedophile because of the age of your child. So sexual um, grooming is, like I said, it's specific, it's Mm. calculated. It is a process where they study the victim, Mm. they study the family, and they come in and they fulfill a specific need. If this child has an absent parent, if this Mm. child has low self-esteem, if this child has a disability, if this child doesn't talk about the body safety rules, if they know this child will keep a secret, if this parent is vulnerable and just someone some around. And what they do during that process is they break down the barriers Mm. um, and they they test the waters. They see if your child is going to keep a secret. So it may mm. start off with your mom said you can't have candy, but I'm gonna keep you candy anyway. Shh, it's our secret. If the mm. child says no, we don't keep secrets. That's against the rules. They'll go on to another child to abuse because they mm. don't want to be caught. Right. Also, with sexual grooming, they create this person who is perfect, this person who has great interest in your child, this person who loves your child, this person that you can trust because Mm -hmm. the goal is to get them to have one-on-one interactions with your child. Basically uninterrupted access to to a child. Uninterrupted access to your child. So, you know, they they start off with building a friendship and then maintaining control. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the sex 
the, the abuse begins. So it doesn't start off with, I like, I, I see this child, I'm going to abuse them. Right. No, I got to get this child to believe that they're a willing participant. I have to get this parent to believe that I will never hurt their child. I have right. to, you know, they come in and offer, oh, I'll pick, I'll pick your child up and take them to the gym. I'll mm-hmm. pick your child up and take them um, to the babysitters. You know, it's, there's so many uh, conniving, underhanded, sick ways that they use to get you to trust them so that they can rape your child and to get the child to be comfortable, to get the child to be comfortable. Some of the children even fall in love because you're, you're talking to me nice. You're being my friend, the teenagers, you know, the older men or the older women are coming. You know, I've had a teenager groomed by an older teenager and the older right. teenager, she came in as the girl's friend and she talked to her and she was kind to her and, you know, she fulfilled a need and she, she was abusing the little girl. And then it was hard for the little girl to break the trauma bond. Because she didn't see it as abuse. She saw it as she's just Children older. Children don't know better, Sharia. That this is know. not okay. No. And that's what makes it extra hard for them to speak out about this. Because again, yes, the abuser is fulfilling a need that a child may have. And then they're being made, they're being abused in the most horrific way. Children don't know better. Yep. What, and what most people don't really understand is like if little children are abused, they're little children. Like even if it comes to light, pushing it under the rug is easy because they're children. They'll forget. How true is that? Children don't forget. And here's one of my books my um, that I use, The Body Takes the Score. Mm-hmm. And this book talks about the trauma in your life. It talks about how it shows up in your body. If it didn't, um, if children forgot, then we wouldn't have the Me Too, Me Too movement. Women Organize Against Rape, Buddy Speaks Foundation, Darkness to Light, The Mama Bear Effect, Parenting Safe Children, Consent Parenting, um, Tough Topics Mom. We wouldn't have all these organizations. We wouldn't have the Oprah show where she interviewed countless of men talking about their trauma. No, they don't forget. A lot of times survivors, they will for they will put it in the back part of their mind as a way to cope, but it shows up other ways. It shows up with promiscuity. It shows up with self-harming behaviors, overeating, undereating, suicide attempts, suicide ideation, anger, depression, your grades have dropped or that, uh, or another one, you're people pleasing. You're right. so perfect as they call her perfect Patty, where, you know, this is the way that I'm learned how to survive. If I just do everything they tell me to do, then they won't hurt me anymore. It shows up later with the way that they, you know, some survivors are abused again and again and again. And it follows them. So it goes from being abused as a child, sexual assault, to now I'm experiencing domestic violence or narcissistic abuse, emotional abuse. It shows up. They don't forget. They may put it in their in the back of their cerebral cortex, but there's something that may trigger them and make them remember. And they're showing up other kind of ways. You won't go from an all A student to an F student or a girl that just is 
always with a different boy or a boy that's always with a different girl or a girl that's with a different girl and a boy that's with a different boy. Because this is our reality in a Muslim community and a non-Muslim community. Right. I'm not saying that because you're raped that it causes homosexuality. Um, uh, you know, I'm not saying that. I can't say that. I'm but not the bottom line is uh, what happens is, is that there, there is they don't they cannot disconnect the sexual abuse from love that's the sometimes, problem sometimes yeah. yeah sometimes sometimes they can because it's horrible yeah. it hurts it's bad you know my yeah. father's raping me you know right. my, my sister but you know and that's why we don't use the word good touch bad touch right right but the bad touch starts to feel good and your body right. is confused and that's where all the guilt and shame comes from why did right, my body right. respond this way why did right. my body hate it like it but i hated it what right. is that all about? So, right. you know, it's important for parents to understand that as well. Or they'll say, why did you uh, never, ever ask your child? Why did you take so long to tell? Well, yeah, why yeah. Didn't no, you no, tell me? no, no, no. What you need to know is why your child didn't tell you. Your right. child didn't tell you because they were afraid. Your right. child didn't tell you because they were threatened, because right. they live with shame. They live right. with blame because it was someone in the family, because right. they were told if they told, it would break the family apart because right. they didn't know how to tell because you didn't talk about sexual assault in, in your home because you they weren't reassured that no matter what someone does to them, that they'll never get in trouble. It right. will never be their fault. It will right. never, ever be their fault. And they can always tell you because they felt like they couldn't trust you, that you wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. So um, right. there's numerous reasons why they don't tell. But one of them isn't because they're lying. Right. Right. The other thing. And now, you know, with all of this information that you've told my audience, I think one of the instincts that sort of gets riled up in parents is that then how do we trust people or anybody like like, what do we do? What do we do? Like, who should our kids be around? Should our kids exist in a bubble? Then? So, no, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, please. I get it. I understand. And, you know, I was a helicopter parent at one time. But what you have to do is when you leave your children with a substitute caregiver, mm. whether it's a family member, whether it's school, whether it's a masjid, Quran school, no matter where it is, you have to talk to them. If it's a public place, if it's a youth serving organization, talk to them about their policies. Talk right. to them about their policies. Tell me about your sex abuse policies. How do you screen, you know, how do you screen volunteers? How do you screen right. workers? It's not just enough to get a criminal background check because you can go from one state to another state. And, you know, we, we need the international ones. Ask them about, you know, older teens with younger children. Ask right. them about, you know, whether people are one-on-one. -on -one. But if, and also outside of the youth serving organizations, if it's a family member, if it's a friend, if it's a play right. date, talk to them, talk to them. And, you know, I want to talk to you about our family's body safety rules. I want you to know that our child is the boss of their body. We teach them that um, they don't have to adhere to any request from mm -hmm. an adult authority figure that makes them feel unsafe or makes them feel uncomfortable, that my child can choose how they want to choose show affection, that my child is not allowed to keep secrets. When you talk to them and you let them know these are the things that we do in our family, then if it's a sexual predator, they won't touch your kid because they know that, oh, this family, because there's right. so many kids out here whose families don't know. This family, right. they're doing their work. Um, I'm going to go to another family. I don't want to, I'm going to leave this kid alone. I'm going to go to the 
to, to the other kid who doesn't know anything about sex abuse, who doesn't know that they can tell whose family doesn't teach them a body safety rules, doesn't teach them, you know, have not had the conversation with me. Right. So, right. you know, they'll run off to the other one. So, and when you leave your children, do constant check-ins with them. Right. Teach your children about code words, you right. know, which is a set of words that you can, or phrase that you can teach your children so that if they're somewhere and they're starting to feel unsafe or uncomfortable, that you can, in fact, they can call you. The code word might be, mom, you know, um, did you get the, mom, that box of tissues is in the living room. Or mom, those, the, do you like purple Skittles? Or whatever right. it is. And then when they're talking to you, because they may be in front of the offender and they can't say, I'm not safe. But if you hear those cold words, then right. you know to stop whatever you're doing and go and get them right away. Right, right. And again, all of this is such, like, such amazing information that all of us need to know about. But now what I want you to tell us is what does the Buddy Speak organization do and how do do you create awareness through it and how can people, you know, have access to all that you do and, you know, really help the organization as well? So what we do is we provide education and awareness to our social media outlets on our website, um, which is www.buddyspeaks.org. We have in-person workshops. We have virtual workshops. Um, we also, um, we have workshops for parents where we teach them how to protect their children from sexual assault. And we have workshops for children, teaching them that their voice is their superpower. And, we, you know, the workshop includes reading the book and mm -hmm. teaching them the body safety rules, and then they paint a canvas. We also provide support to survivors of sexual assault. And someone calls me and lets me know that, you know, this child has been assaulted this child disclosed you know young children we ship them out of teddy bear the teddy bear it um says my voice is my superpower and it wears a cape i write a personal note to the child and let them know that we're proud of them it's not their fault and that we're here to support them and you know um we also and they have a sticker from the organization called the mama bear effect and it says um and it has a little empowering phrase on it also. And we ship the bears out too. In addition, we also, um, we provide support to mothers because mothers grieve when their child discloses abuse. So we provide support to the mothers and we also, um, we feed the homeless. We oh. help feed the homeless. We do that twice a month, plus some, and I do the cooking for that. Um, and we work with another organization called Humbly Assisting Humanity. Mm -hmm. And my children and I, we work together and we go out and we feed the homeless because a lot of people that experience homelessness have experienced some form of child sex assault and trauma. So, you know, we hit the ground running. We um, we have information tables where we'll set up and, you know, even if it's something as small as a pencil or a bookmark with the body safety rules or a pamphlet or, you know, to purchase the book that although I am the CEO and founder, I'm also the author of my voice and my superpower. You know, we, we do that. We do speaking engagements, name it, you got it. And we're just trying to branch out a little bit more. So you'll see my face um, <laughs> as the face of Buddy Speaks Foundation. And we would love other people to join us, whether you're far or close. How can you really, really help? You can really, really help by gathering your community together and bringing me in to teach a workshop. 
Right. Bring me in. You know, you can also, you know, we're a nonprofit, so you can make a charitable donation to help us to sponsor a child for one of our workshops. If you want to get books um, um, to Sheriff um, Rochelle Bilal, she's in Philadelphia in the sheriff's office, and she said, I'm doing a backpack giveaway and I want 200 of those books. These books need to be in these backpacks with these children so that they can know their voices, their superpower. So, you know, that helps tremendously because we're spreading awareness and, you know, this is what she wants to do. So (laughs) I'm happy and excited and grateful for that. Please tell us where can we get the book? I know where I got the book. I got it from right. Amazon. You can find it on Amazon, but I would like to have because I just wanted I wanted it in two days. Okay? OK, but for everybody who would like to like order it in bulk, because like when I first saw you and your interview with one, a fellow podcaster, I was I screamed it out to the Internet <laughs> that this book needs to be in every house, every religious Thank institute, you. everywhere. Yes. So where can they buy this book for themselves and their child? It's not just for your kid. This has information that is for parents as well. It has like a guide at the back. I wish I could like show it to you, but like right here, this is for the parents to t- talk to the, to your kids about body safety rules and you know how to really start this conversation with your children. So please, where can they buy this book? And where and the website where they can reach out to your Instagram and you're on TikTok as well. So where uh-huh. they, can they reach out to you and really see the information that you give out? You can find the book um, on our website. Yes, we have it on Amazon for international users. If you're, you know, outside of the USA, go ahead to Amazon. You know, um, if you're in the U.S., Go to www.buddyspeaks.org. Go to our shop page. Our book is there. It really helps the author when you order directly from us. Right. Um, you 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 can also cash app seventeen ninety nine and um and give me your information and I can send the book out to you. And also if you go on my, the website, I mean, if you go on Instagram, buddy underscore speaks, the link is in our bio. I'm on the Sharia Schultz um, as the author, because on my page, I share my story as a survivor on Buddy Speaks. I'm sharing information to help educate the community and to see what Buddy Speaks Foundation is doing. So there's, um, you can find us on TikTok too. So there's so many different ways that you can connect with me. I had a death in my family. My father suddenly passed away on July the 7th. So, you know, it was, it was very, very difficult for us, Rahimatullah. So, um, I was a little out, so you'll see that you know my my presence isn't as frequent as it used to be. But I'm I'm getting back, and I thank you because you're putting that fire back under me because I started TikTok, and I'm like I needed to be perfect. I needed to say the perfect word. Like I'm doing the TikTok, and I want to put this book up, right? But when I put it up, <laughs> my words are backwards. I so I didn't finish the TikTok because I said I don't want the words to be backwards. Know how to do that, then I said it's not that deep. I don't think people care about the words being no. Bad. What the <laughs> message you have, Sharia, is so integral. I could not care if that book was ripped in half. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know why you're doing it, but but the thing is, um, what you put out there is so important, and all the links that you just gave, I will have them in the show notes, and plus they'll be able to see it on the screen as well. So they'll be able to follow you, buy the books from your you and the website, and you know. 
again, I've said this before, what you do is so integral and we've barely touched the tip of the iceberg with all yes. of this. Unfortunately, that's, why- that's the tip of the iceberg as we <laughs> Wait, as I that need to share one more thing. Yes, please. You see the book behind us says The Courage to Heal. I'm starting right. a book club for survivors. A private one is going to be on Zoom so that they can, um, we can go through this book. There will be a fee for it because mm-hmm. I am an educator. I have a master's of science in education plus 15 credit. Mm-hmm. I've been a teacher since 95. So wow. we're not just reading the book. Right. We are going diving deep into the book and there's going to be activities to do. And it's going to kind of kind of be like a lesson, eight weeks, but it's going to be comfortable, no pressure, but I'm really not just going to say, okay, open up page three, let's read this together. No, this is going to really help people to um, have support. So Mm. that's something that I'm going to have starting very, very soon. And I was going to do it the end of August. I think I'm doing it the first Monday in September. And again, you give me that link, you know, that link will be in the bio because everybody needs to be a part of that. And again, it's what we covered was just one kind of trauma that people go through. But I think we 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 at some point experience some form of like trauma that damages us, but we don't understand how to heal from it. And again, right. what you do from the ground up is so important to be able to heal us collectively, but more importantly, our children that are most the most vulnerable. Yes. I can't thank you enough, Sharia, for all that you do through the Buddy Speaks uh, organization. And, you know, if and, and it's not if it's like it's a matter of when I'm going to be having you back uh, to speak about more. I, because I wish this wasn't as widespread as it is. It is it is has no barriers whatsoever. It's not a specific group of people. It's not a specific country. It's not a specific location. As you said, this is a pandemic that we refuse to speak about. And we have to, for the sake of our children, if we really love them, we have to speak out and we have to teach our children to speak out. Yeah. And that's what the, all of this is about. Thank you so much, Sharia, for being Thank with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for I appreciate everybody. you breaking me on. Thank you for every to everybody who's listened in and watched us on YouTube. You know how to reach out to Sharia if you think that you can help her or if you need her books or any of her services so please this conversation is integral with your children it's there shouldn't be another day that passes that we don't have this conversation it could it could mean the world of a difference to your children nobody wants their child to go through this but we have to arm them with the right kind of tools so they can speak out and be able to reach for help from us whom they who we are their protectors and they should be able to come to us with this so y'all take care of yourself take care of your kids and may peace be on you all Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five-star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. 
And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.